1: Christ must be our objective because only Christ can heal a broken heart only Christ can heal a broken heart you know what fellow fellow Christians the old adage is time heals all wounds no time heal doesn't heal broken hearts not when you lose a loved one like that time does not heal a broken heart but God can heal a broken heart God can heal a broken heart that's one of the reasons why Jesus came remember I've come to heal the broken hearted. during this time a leader needs someone to come
0: alongside him In a broken world, there are a lot of broken hearts. There is a lot of pain in the lives of a lot of people, and when people experience pain, they'll do anything to get some relief. Maybe that relief is alcohol, drugs, sex, or anything else. But in today's message, Pastor Dave will remind you that only God can heal hearts. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 19, as he begins his message, Restored Again.
1: You are sure. We are going to continue in Second Samuel. So, if you will take your Bibles out, turn to the book of Second Samuel. We're going to start chapter 19. We're not going to finish it. We're going to go to verse 23 in chapter 19. So, if you'll Second Samuel 19, we have been making our way through Second Samuel, and um, we've been watching as David goes through this. Restoration period. And I call it a restoration period because that's what 2 Samuel is all about. Restoration. And God is going to restore once again Israel to one nation, and he's going to restore once again David back to the throne of Israel. So we've been studying about this rebellion that had taken place. Absalom had rebelled against his father. He had caused his father and his father's supporters to flee Jerusalem, to run away, to leave all their goods behind and basically go out with nothing and flee Absalom and all of the men of Israel who have now gathered around Absalom to come and defeat David. But the rebellion that was led by Absalom and the men of Israel had been crushed. A mighty blow was given to that rebellion. It was an incredibly great victory. And now God wanted to restore the nation once again. And he wanted to do that by restoring David, his choice to be God, back to the throne. Those who were loyal to David had won a great victory. These supporters had given up everything to follow David out of Jerusalem. And they knew That if Absalom won this war, they probably would be executed because they supported David. They suffered hardships. They didn't have food. They didn't have clothing while they were away. They sacrificed everything for their king. They had risked their lives for the king and the nation Israel. So this was a special victory for them. But for David... It was a bittersweet victory as we studied. His favorite son, Absalom, was killed by Joab. Looking back, David's heart must have been crushed even more so because he had already lost two other sons. The son born to Bathsheba had died. Ammon, the crown prince, had died when Absalom killed him because Ammon raped their sister, Tamar. David's heart was crushed. Morning seems to mount with death after death. Morning seems to build. David was beside himself. Because David made no bones about it, Absalom was his favorite. He loved Absalom probably more than all the others. We find David mourning in his room all by himself. Let's look at 1833 through 193. Then the king was deeply moved after he had found out that Absalom was dead. And he went up to his chamber over the gate and wept. And as he wept, he said thus, oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, if only I had died in your place, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. And Joab was told, behold, the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. So the victory that day was turned into mourning for all the people, for the people heard it and said that day, the king is grieved for his son, And the people stole back into the city that day as people who were ashamed steal away when they flee in battle. They heard the king was mourning. This deeply affected the people's hearts. It deeply caused them to go into mourning themselves. Their great victory turned into a great mourning to the extent that they acted like they had actually lost the battle. They were ashamed and they were sneaking back into the city like they were humiliated by Absalom's army. And although they won a decisive victory, the day became a day of confusion and a time of embarrassment and shame. Why? Because the king was obsessed with the death of his son. The king couldn't get over the death of his favorite son. And I also think that the other deaths had mounted up to him to a point where he just couldn't handle it any longer. And he broke down and he wept. Look at verse four. But the king covered his face and the king cried out with a loud voice, "'Oh, my son, Absalom! oh, Absalom, my son, my son!' He was obsessed with the death of his favorite boy. He isolated himself from all the men and all the people and he turned this great military victory into an emotional defeat. David's actions should not surprise us. Follow me. We've all read his Psalms. David, although he was a mighty warrior, although he was a man chosen by God, anointed by God, David, who was the king of Israel, was also an extremely emotional man. Read his Psalms. He goes from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows in two sentences. His Psalms start out at the lowest of lows and they come back to the highest of high. He was a musician, no offense. But David was also a great leader. And this is what the people needed right now. The people needed a leader. The people needed a leader. They were confused. They didn't know if the country was going to get back together again because it was still split. Israel and Judah once again were split. They needed a leader, one who would restore the nation and bring order out of chaos. They needed a leader, one who not only would follow the Lord, but would guide the people to the Lord as well. One who would look to the Lord for guidance and strength for the nation. One who had the Lord in mind when he led this nation. But David's mourning for his son seemed excessive to the people. After all, come on, David! Absalom had been a murderer. He was a liar. He was a traitor. He was a rebel. If he had a chance to kill you, David, he would have. In fact, he tried several times. But in David's heart, all he could say was, Oh, Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son. In David's mourning... He forgot about the people he was supposed to lead. His excessive mourning made him, or excuse me, his excessive mourning made the people ashamed. They were ashamed to celebrate their victory. They were ashamed to give thanks to God for the glorious victory that he obviously allowed them to have. They were ashamed. And now you can start to see the problem with this. You can start to see the problem with this. Everyone mourns differently. Everyone mourns differently. But as a leader, one must still lead even with a broken heart. One must still lead even with a broken heart. I remember September 27, 2016, our beloved Tim went to be with the Lord. November 19, 2016, Pastor Frank, our worship leader, went to be with the Lord. That was followed by Nancy Jones, Followed by Big Jim. Followed by John only. And last July, a year ago, followed by my son. And then just a few weeks ago, followed by my big brother, Larry. Death is not fun. These subsequent deaths. These subsequent deaths have been the most difficult time in my entire life. Because as David mourned the loss of his three sons... We as a church have been mourning the loss of five or six people. Five or six people. And we could have gone into a deep set of mourning and we could have never come out. We could have never come out. And with good reason. I'm not minimizing anybody's pain. I'm not minimizing anybody's mourning. Trust me, I'm not minimizing that. But during these difficult times, it is so important to lead. And we must always look to the Lord for our strength. It's the leader's job to point to the Lord, not to himself. It's the leader's job to point to the Lord and said, he's the leader. The leader must point the people and keep them moving towards Christ. That's what we do. Christ must be our objective because only Christ can heal a broken heart. Only Christ can heal a broken heart. You know what, fellow, fellow Christians? The old adage is, time heals all wounds. No, time doesn't heal broken hearts. Not when you lose a loved one like that. Time does not heal a broken heart. But God can heal a broken heart. God can heal a broken heart. That's one of the reasons why Jesus came. Remember, I've come to heal the broken heart. During this time, a leader needs someone to come alongside him and guide him. And this is what you've done for me. This is what you have done for me. You have come alongside me. You've strengthened me. You've given me hope. You've pointed me to Jesus. Your faithfulness has been outstanding, and I am overwhelmed by that. It has been a beautiful testimony of your love for Jesus Christ to me, and I thank you so much for it. You have held up my arms and strengthened my feeble knees. You have been by my side. You have walked through these valleys with me. Bottom line is a leader must lead. A leader must lead. He must calm the people and keep them focused on the Lord. The hardest thing I ever had to do, well, I thought it was the hardest thing until last July, two Julys ago, but the hardest thing I ever had to do was the day after we lost Pastor Frank. That very day after, as I stood there and watched him die, that day after it, I stood here and gave a message. Hardest thing I ever had to do until two Julys ago. A leader leads. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I am not doing that. I'm telling you that this is what they see in David. They needed a leader. Churches need leadership. Someone said, if you, have anointing, if you have an anointing on your life, you do not have the right to pout and whimper. Why? I'm not sure I agree with this wholeheartedly, it has some merit. I've told some of you who come to me and go, gee, Pastor Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, but you don't know what happens at my house when I'm all alone. You don't know what happens. You don't know what happens when I'm home home with my wife. But you've kept me going. Just the fact that you were going to be here keeps me pushing forward and studying so that we can present God's word to you. And as a church, we have moved forward. We have moved forward. The scripture says forgetting what's behind and pressing on to the high goal of Christ Jesus. We move forward. Oh, we remember those who have gone on before us. Yes, we do. We remember them every day. But as a church, we need to be moving. A church that doesn't move forward stagnates. Church must move forward towards Christ. Satan wants to keep us down. Satan wants to cause the church to go into mourning and defeat, just like he wanted the people of Israel to do nothing but mourn and mourn and mourn. He uses discouragement, he uses depression, and he tries to throw us off balance. He wants to see the church suffer, to lose focus, and to become ineffective in sharing the gospel. So he attacks the leadership with multiple problems to see if he can throw the leadership into a tizzy and try to keep his focus off Christ. We cannot allow that to happen no matter what. Because what we're suffering now doesn't compare to the glory that awaits us in that throne room that we talked about. Nothing compares to that. Nothing compares to that glory. And grief can do that to you. Grief can pull you away. Grief can sidetrack you and put you in a place where you don't want to be. And I'm not minimizing anybody's grief. And I'm not telling you when it is that you don't grieve and when you don't not grieve. I'm not saying any about that because everybody grieves differently. We all should grieve and you all will grieve. It's something that has to happen after a death. But we don't grieve as those who have no hope. We have the hope of Jesus Christ and everlasting life and that should be evident. And that's what we look to. It's the Lord who's moving us forward. The Lord is moving us forward. I think Peter had this in mind when he wrote in his first epistle. In chapter 5, he writes these words, beginning in verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares on him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, perfect, establish, and strengthen, and settle you. I love that. Peter knew it. Peter said, you're going to suffer. Thanks, Peter, for those little while. I love those words. Little while. Little while. I love that. I love that. So David is caught up in his grief and he doesn't know what to do with it. He's caught up in his grief and he doesn't know how to put it or where to put it. And that's what grief does. It's a strange beast. It's a strange animal. And David is caught up in that. And he has no idea what he's supposed to do with it. Enter Joab. Let's read 5 through 7. Then Joab came into the house to the king and said, Today you have disgraced all your servants who today have saved your life, the lives of your sons and daughters, the lives of your wives and the lives of your concubines, in that you love your enemies and hate your friends. For you have declared today that you regard neither princes nor servants for today. I perceive that if Absalom had lived and all of us had died today, then it would have pleased you well. Now therefore, arise, go out, and speak comfort to your servants, for I swear by the Lord, if you do not go out, no one will stay with you this night, and that will be worse for you than all the evil that has befallen you from your youth until now. Absalom comes in. Now, read that first and you go, yo, Job, baby. A little harsh, isn't it, man? Oh, Job, the guys in mourning, yo, Joab, be a little gracious, have a little compassion. Well, If you've studied with us, you know Joab's not a man of compassion. (laughs) He's a little, he's one of those dastardly deeders, man. He killed Abner, and he was the one that killed Absalom. But he knew he had to do that. And now God uses this man. He uses this man to come to David in David's time of need. And yes, it's harsh. If you're the one grieving and someone says that to you, it sounds like he's saying, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get going. Maybe he is. Sounds harsh. It sounds harsh, but sometimes God uses those kind of things. Sometimes God needs to smack us upside the head. Not really, but he needs to give us the old funk and say, get going, come on. See, remember, David is the leader. He's the king, and the, he's responsible for the people. David is responsible for all the people in Israel, and he's letting them down. He's letting God down because God has a plan for David. It was a harsh but truthful rebuke of David. After Pastor Frank died, that Saturday night, I was home, and I was in a tizzy, and the phone rang. First person on it was my pastor, Frank Ippolito, wanted to know how I was doing, how I was holding up, and I said, I don't know what to do. He said, what do you mean? He said, I don't know what I'm supposed to do about tomorrow. He said, what do you mean, tomorrow's Sunday? I said, yeah. I said, I don't know what to do. Should I have somebody come in and teach for me? He said, well, there are people ready to come down and teach for you in a heartbeat. He said, but I'll tell you one thing, you, what you need to do, you need to get in that pulpit and teach. I said, excuse me? He said, you need to get in that pulpit and teach. I went, okay. Two, three, four minutes later, I get another phone call. It was from Jerry Paradise, Caravage Chapel, Philadelphia. Can give me condolences over the death of Pastor Frank. And I said, Jerry, I'm in a tizzy. I'm, I'm in a quandary. He said, well, I guess you would be. He says, but what's the problem? I said, I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. He said, I can tell you what you're going to do tomorrow. You're going to get up on that pulpit, and you're going to teach the lesson that the Lord had given you. I said, and you're not going to worry, and you're going to be strong and know that the Lord, by his Holy Spirit, is going to give you the words to say, and you're going to teach it. Well, to make a long story short, I did. I, to this day, can't tell you what I said. But the Lord had a plan. Now, after my son had passed away, I had already asked Mark to teach that very day. It was already planned. So it's like the Lord knew that my son was going to pass away. And weeks before, what, at least three or four weeks before, right? I had asked Mark, well, Mark, why don't you take a Sunday in July, take this particular Sunday? And he said, yeah. And he was, so he was going to teach anyhow. But I wouldn't let it sit at that. I had to come up here and introduce him. If it's not real to me, how will it be real to you? If faith isn't real to me, if you can't see faith being real to me, it'll never be real for you, ever. Hard times. So what does David do? David comes to his senses. He he snaps out of it and he goes out to the people and he sits in the gate. Why? So people could see him. That's his proper place in the gate. That's his proper place. Look at verse uh, 8. Then the king arose and sat in the gate, and they told all the people, saying, There is the king sitting in the gate. So all the people came before the king, for everyone of Israel had fled to his tent. They all came before him. Do you know what a rush this should have had been for him? Can you imagine what it was to see all the people come forward? That's what I'm saying about you guys. Just seeing your faces every Sunday morning. Seeing your faces in your steadfastness every Wednesday night. Seeing your faces on Monday night. Seeing your faces at potlucks, at the beachcomber campground, over at the two nursing homes. Seeing your faces. It doesn't know what it does for us to make us so happy that you're struggling. Because I know your struggles. I know what some of you are struggling with. But to push through and let God be God. And let him do a mighty work in your heart. It's so encouraging. That's what David was feeling. It was so encouraging. David didn't feel like doing this. His feelings told him to stay locked up and go into excessive mourning. Yet David understood that the Lord was bigger than he. David understood that it wasn't about him. And again, I don't mean that derogatorily for those who grieve. I don't mean that that way. I'm talking about a leader right now. David knew it wasn't about him. David understood that. That's exactly what they needed to see. They needed to see, see the king where he belonged. When we lost Pastor Frank, what the church needed to see is me where I belong. They needed to see that. It had to be seen. You are assured
0: Our time with you is running short for today's edition of Assure Hope. Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through 2 Samuel when you join us next time. But for now, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We encourage you to download these messages so they are available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. Those short breaks could be filled with the study of Scripture, getting to know God better through His own Word. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for Assure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May meets weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Or just visit assurehoperadio.com. If you're not able to join us in person, we are streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just follow the link you'll find at AsureHopeRadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message on A sure Hope. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover God doing great things in your life. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another edition of A sure Hope.